T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Wake up! Wake up! Mike Mulligan. Bears, 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 football, football, football. You know what? I'd like to say you're wrong, Molly, but you're not wrong very often. David Haw. That was one of the best questions you've ever asked. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to get an answer just as good. Chicago Sports Talk for your morning on 670 The Score, the home for Bears fans. Big Zay! Morning, Brad. Morning, boys. What's going on? Well, I'll tell you what, Brad. First, during the season, it was like, well, at least Justin Fields played well. And now after that game, it was like, oh, my God, there's nothing here. It's a little bit of a stretch here, right? The bar to clear for the Bears is like at ankle level here, right, for their passing game. You know, you just kind of step over it and move forward. And and yet it was awful yesterday, and it's all 11. All right, Brad, so what did you make of the Chase Claypool incident, and why is he harder to cover in the locker room than he is in the secondary? Well, he's hard to cover in the locker room because the Bears make uh, injured players off limits to media. What was one of the things that was said about him coming out of Pittsburgh was maturity issues, was, you know, he's into social media, uh, things of that nature. So uh, when you see what happened on the sideline yesterday in the game and you see him as one of the very first guys exiting the locker room uh, post-game. Yeah, I, I don't think you can be surprised. Start your mornings with Mully and Haw, 5.30 till 10 a.m. Morning, boys. What's going on? On 670 The Score. Wow, that's up the top rope. Let's go. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Wow. What a uh, what a sad story last night um, in the NFL. What a really um, difficult thing to watch, seeing DeMar Hamlin collapse on the field uh, Monday Night Football, and, um, and he needed CPR. He had to be rushed to the hospital, the ambulance out on the field, his mom coming out of the stands. The entire scene was, it was like a, it was just a reminder, I suppose, in all our own lives about the, the the frailty of life. But also, this is not something that you see much um, in professional sports. We've seen these things, sadly, over the years. Not frequently, and certainly um, to have the game suspended in that fashion it just underscored, David, the seriousness of, uh, of, of what happened last night. And we're saying prayers, and we're sending out goodwill. And we're, and we're thinking of all the people that uh, are connected to the story. Morning, Molly. Yeah, it was an extraordinary night because we were watching in real time something we had never seen before. And you watch the NFL and we watch sports and you're used to as a fan, as an observer or media member, processing 
major injury. But right. you're not really used to ever really processing in a sporting context real human tragedy. And that's what we were in the midst of as DeMar Hamlin was out on the field being wheeled into the uh, ambulance and just the nature of the play and the reaction immediately afterward. You knew right away that it was serious, the way yeah. he staggered to the field. And, boy, it was a difficult thing to watch unfold because of what the serious nature of, of the uh, situation was. And the, you know, watching people talk about things that they couldn't possibly know mm -hmm. and trying not to speculate irresponsibly. I right. thought they did a very professional job of doing that on ESPN. And then we all waited for more updates and news. And overnight, got some encouraging news from the Buffalo Bills who tweeted out and announced that he was now, he had suffered a cardiac arrest. Heartbeat was restored on the field, transferred to the UC Medical Center for further testing and treatment, and now sedated and in critical condition. Yeah. That's where um, we are this morning. Yes. It, it is a, uh, it, you know, we're, we don't have enough information to be able to, um, to tell you anything other than the player is in critical condition. He is in the, uh, the University of Cincinnati uh, Trauma Center and um, the hospital, and um, and we will pass along anything that we learn as we um, as we get the information. It, it was the team did announce it was cardiac arrest. Yes. He, so so if you know, I don't know if anyone cares about the play. It seemed like a routine tackle. It didn't seem like the greatest hit I've ever seen. Uh, I, and I don't mean that in a positive way. I'm just saying it did not seem like an ultraviolet type. We've of seen hit. worse. We have certainly We've seen, seen more worse. high impact collisions yes. on a regular basis. This was not. This was an unremarkable hit. Right. T. Higgins was being tackled. You That's did not it. expect this to be the result. You never do. And yet he must have been hit just so and just right. We'll know more as this unfolds. But you never expect to be watching a football game and to see life-saving measures be required. And that is what is a shock to everyone's system. But, Molly, I have to add this. If this was ever going to happen, and God forbid that it, we ever have to go through this again, it did happen in a place where everyone was equipped to yes. handle it. Yes. There is no best possible scenario when no. you're talking about something like this. But he was in a place that had access to every medical device conceivable. He had people who knew what to do and and how to act and it was handled in a way that perhaps might have saved his life it had it happened anywhere else certainly wouldn't be having this kind of trauma but at the same time this was this was the NFL responding to a potential tragedy in a way that was i mean the right way to handle this from a medical perspective um it reminded me of I don't know if you're familiar with the player Christian Eriksen. He is a Danish yes. soccer player who collapsed during a game in the European Championship. He suffered cardiac arrest last he, spring. This was this was it was I think it was 2020. Or, or, I, I mean it, I, I don't remember when again? it was. Okay, it might have been a couple of years ago because he now plays for Man United, and which is um, the team that I follow, but. He he literally went down in a heap on the field. It was one of the scariest things I've ever seen. Watching 
I was watching the game, live television, and the guy just, he went down, same situation, they came out and uh, performed CPR on him, and his girlfriend, he's got, you know, his his partner comes in, uh, they take him all to the hospital, which is relatively close, same situation where they um, they work on him, he goes in, he has a um, something called an um, implantable uh, cardioverter defibrillator put in. Apparently, this is this has happened with several people to deal with a rhythmic heart situation. He is back playing in the Premier League now. I don't know. I don't know if that would apply with the NFL. I'm not speculating on on what this situation is, but it's extraordinary to see something like that happen where he actually he he was gone. They had to they had to uh, resuscitate him. He had actually passed. Uh, his heart stopped beating the whole bit. Yep. And they got him back, and they got him in an ambulance, and they got him to the hospital, and he has made a full recovery, played in the World Cup. Remarkable. Remarkable. It's just amazing. June 2021. So it was okay. a year ago last summer. Okay. And that is where That's your head went. And so yeah. so many people well, had so many references because yes. of of precedent. And this was This was an unprecedented event for – uh, modern NFL, but right. we all were reminded quickly uh, from social media and, and other sources about how there's been one NFL player yes. in, in a Bears-Lions game in 1971, Chuck Hughes, yep. died in in the game, within the game. Uh, there are other examples, though, that came to mind when I was watching and seeing just the frenzy and the response time and what we talked about where it happened and yes. how that might have helped yes. save his life. Danny Farquhar on yes. the south side, the yes. Sox pitcher who had the, the hemorrhaging, um, the brain, the brain yep. hemorrhage, and he was within close proximity to Rush. They reacted responsibly, and he made a full recovery. Chris Pronger, an NHL example, he went down, I think it was 12 years ago or so, maybe longer, but there's an sure. example in the NHL. And the NBA – uh, doesn't have quite something that came to mind, but we you all know, we all thought of Hank Gathers last and, night and, and, and you things know, like that. Since Hank Gathers, the, you, you now have defibrillators at all of these sporting events, right? So, you know, you mentioned Chuck Hughes. We got a call in the post game from a guy that was like, if they leave Justin Fields like that, it's going to be Chuck Hughes. And he's like, do you remember who Chuck Hughes was? And I'm like, I thought he was a lion. He's the guy that, like, I knew the story. I wasn't. I'm not old enough to remember that, but but there were no, they, I mean they did the best they could for those days, but that was well, what did you say? Seventy one. It was 1971. The Lions and the Bears were playing, and he was jogging back to the huddle. Yes. This was not after a hit, but this was Dick Butkus had hit him earlier in the yeah, game. Yeah. And there was always that kind of conversation, but Chuck Hughes, it was in the fourth quarter of a Lions Bears game, jogging back to the huddle, he collapsed to the ground, clutched his chest, and it turned out that. He was not able to be revived, but he no. had a heart attack. He had a heart attack. He and and there's a there's a I don't know if it's a video or a famous photo of Butkus calling like he's trying to get the the medical people out on the field. And again, you know, because of the Hank Gathers situation, uh, they there are now like defibrillators at all of these events. And you know, certainly in the NFL, you've got. And in all these events, you've got medical professionals that are there, that are connected to the team, that are that are uh, helping out. Um, we've all seen different things happen in the stands over the years, where yeah. the team medical professionals have often 
you know, rush to help people. Where people don't know what's going on. It doesn't affect what everybody is seeing. It certainly doesn't affect whether or not they play the game or not. But this was so different because this was right in front of us and this was in real time. Yeah. And we had and never. And it's a twenty-four-year-old, uh, twenty-four-year-old healthy player. He's a young player. man. His mom is at the game. Yeah. You know that's her child. That's her baby. The idea of uh, you know the, it's just horrific. And we, you know, listen, we've seen horrible injuries. We've talked about some of the terrible injuries different players have, have had, and you know you worry about uh, guys that suffer breaks or that that have concussion, whatever the thing may be. This is a different type of situation. And you could tell right away. Oh, yeah. You could tell right away based on the player reaction that this was not your ordinary, again, injury. This was potential tragedy. And everybody reacted in a way that reinforced that. And so I think that what we were watching, you want to – you were hoping that they would handle things as responsibly as I think they handled things on the air. You also were looking for whatever information, and you kind of understood – that there were going to be people jumping to conclusions and yes. and kind uh, things that we would find out later. One of those things, Molly, was whether or not to play or not. When Joe Buck came on and said that they had given each team five minutes to get ready, and then the coaches walked across the field and talked, and then they went into the locker rooms, that, that left the impression, certainly, yeah. that the NFL wanted to or had considered continuing to play that game in spite of the tragedy that we just watched. What we would find out later, according to Troy Vincent, who was the number two man to Roger Goodell, the commissioner, yes. that wasn't the case. Right. And I think that, in fairness, he would not be as adamant as he sounded explaining what the NFL's position was if that would have been, uh, if that would have been the case. I'm not sure where, um, where that came from. Um, frankly, there was no, uh, no time period for the players to to get warmed up frankly the only uh the only thing that we asked was that uh sean communicate with both head coaches um to make sure they had the proper time inside the locker room to discuss what they felt like was best so i'm not i'm not sure uh where that where that came from uh five minutes warm-up never never was never crossed my mind personally and i was uh, the one i'm saying i not to be selfish but the one that was communicating with the commissioner uh, we never, frankly, it never crossed our mind that, to talk about warming up to resume play. That's that's ridiculous. That's, that's um, insensitive, um, and that's not a place that that we should ever be in. Yeah, I, you know, so that's good to hear. And, and I, you know, just from just to defend uh, Joe Buck. I'm sure he is giving information out as he's receiving it. Absolutely. He, he's not inventing that. No. It wasn't him who no. came up with the five minutes. I don't know where that started. Maybe they just were kind of like, okay, take a second and let's let's step back and try. And then eventually they understood. And and David, I mean, you know, you got you got Joe Burrow, uh, you know, trying to console uh, Josh Allen. You got, I mean, you got the opposite teams. Players, you know, people weeping on the field. How how would you continue a football game? You couldn't game? do that. You could not. It's not after that kind of trauma. Oh, well, my God. They ceased being football players and opponents, and they were just right. exactly. young men and, and human beings. And part of the brotherhood of the NFL. Offering compassion yes. for each other. And I do think you're right. Joe Buck, this was a – we have to give some grace to some people because yes. of what the circumstances were extraordinary. Yeah. And nobody had ever really done this, something like this before. I'm sure that he got – 
information in a rush from somebody who was down there who thought that they might react the way that we have seen teams react to people getting wheeled off on a stretcher into an ambulance even and then resuming a game. But that was not going to happen. So you understand why his why he might have said that, why somebody might have told him that. It was chaotic. It was confusing. And then there was clarity. But it took a while to get there. Yeah, and, I, you know, they did the right thing. And they, you know, I, I don't know. We can complain about how timely it was. I think, I think when something happens in real time, you're dealing with, first and foremost, you're dealing with the, with the player, with the attempt to resuscitate him. You know, CPR, man. Oh, That's boy. cardiopulmonary yeah. resuscitation. Mm-hmm. That, that is, you're bringing a guy, you're helping someone to have their heart beat. You're helping someone breathe. This is, I mean, you know, these are life-saving measures. This is not, well, let's hope, you know, we can we can put the guy, maybe we have to stabilize his neck, but he can still give the thumbs up as they wheel him up. This is a totally different deal. This isn't move the drill. This is much this different than that. This is not move the drill. And, right. and I think that well you, you, you have to remember, I'm not going to deprive anybody if they want to get mad at the NFL. If they want to get fine. If you need somebody to direct your anger toward or frustration or whatever the case may be, go ahead. It did take 43 minutes, I think, before they postponed or canceled or made an announcement. That said, as you point out, this was something that was unprecedented. I, do, right. I, I don't know the details. I don't think any of us do how difficult it might have been to track down the people who were in a position to make those decisions. Right. I don't know where Troy Vincent was watching this game. Roger Goodell was on a Monday night. These are factors that contribute into that decision-making process. It might have taken longer because of that. And also, just the gravity of the situation. You're not talking about a weather situation. You're not talking about a a malfunction on a scoreboard or something mechanical. You're talking about life and death here. So you give them a little bit of a grace period. Regardless of how long it took, it was the right call. It was the only call. I, I found it really interesting. You know, uh, we deal with words for a living, so, you know, maybe you're parsing words, but I found it very interesting um, to read what the release was from the Bills. Uh, they said uh, uh, DeMar Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest following a hit in our game versus the Bengals. His heartbeat was restored on the field. He was transferred to the uh, – University of Cincinnati Medical Center for further testing and treatment. He's currently sedated and listed in critical conditions. So I think a couple of things jumped out. You know, did the hit cause the heart attack? Is that the, the way it's worded? It was, was interesting to me just that, as a, the, as that a is writer. The suggestion. Yes. I, I think that you put following a hit where they did, because without that hit, I don't think the implication exactly. is he would have had the attack. Exactly. So the, 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 whatever it was about the force or the angle or the way that yes. his, his chest received that blow it created the cardiac yes. situation. Right. And, and, and again. Stopped his heart. Yes, it stopped his heart. Now that's scary. His heartbeat was restored means that his heartbeat had not existed at some point if it had to be. For restored. several minutes. Exactly. Apparently. Again, yes. according again, to the information we this have. Is, this is the limited amount of information that is out. But, you know, that is beyond belief frightening. Well, it is because that. of we are in the midst of, of a time in a season in, in a sport where 
the focus in all of mo- most of our concerns is on the concussion, the brain injury, traumatic brain injury, and what it does, yep. the, the subconcussive hits and all of the things repeatedly to your head. I don't know that there has been heightened levels of concern over blows you take to your chest. And I do wonder where the next, the, the next phase of this ends up going because of that was an unremarkable hit. It was a very much a commonplace collision in a, in a violent sport, and yet it resulted in somebody having a cardiac arrest. How many people are scared moving forward? How many people are traumatized to the point? We don't know. It's premature, but that is part of the conversation today as we wait to see and we hope for the best for DeMar Hamlin. Yeah, and, and you know, as we've said, there, there are hopefully, you know, the, right now the player is all that matters. Oh, that matters. His health, getting him back on track. You know, again, with the Christian Erickson situation, he had to have a surgery. You know, that we don't know what what's going to happen. We don't know how long this takes. I, we don't know if there's even an ability to resume his career. And hope to God the man is alive. That's number one. But it's just, I think that the implications for this. Number one, my first takeaway, as I said, you know, we, we mentioned Chuck Hughes. That can't happen now, right? There's too many, there's too many medical advancements. There's too many, there's too much of an understanding of, uh, of, of these, of these things. We have, we have more, um, technology that will help to preserve life than we did in 1971. No doubt about it. AEDs, uh, defibrillators, all kinds of technology yes. at our disposal, which are now requirements. Right. And as we read more about this, you know, or you, maybe you learn for the first time how thorough the process is pregame for events that could happen to be, they go through the process of, of uh, trauma training and yes. they have uh, episodes that they rehearse. What will they do if this happens? God forbid. And it happened and they were ready. And I think that's the part of this as well, because the way they responded to this immediately Saved his life. It's fantastic. I mean, it's uh, David. That's in itself a miracle, yeah, right? Right. That that listen. This is a horrible thing that happened, and this is a tragedy that that was at this point. It looks like it was avoided. We'll get we'll get more detail, but I mean, you know, clearly from the moment he went down, and again, there is a hit, and he stands back up, and then he collapses, and from that point. The, the the medical attention he received, the ambulance coming onto the field, getting him to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, all of those events happened in, in such kind of perfect, well-prepared rhythm that, they, that he is now alive. I, I get it. It's critical condition. I'm just saying that is extraordinary for the people on the site who are who are again? This is their job, and this is what they're supposed to do. But but and and a lot of times oh, for, they sit around and watch the game all the time. You, you, you know, know what I mean? You're so right. It's incredible. And, and that is the the secondary part of this because everybody's hopes and concerns and prayers are with Demar Hamlin. But you're exactly right for something that nobody could have anticipated for an event that nobody knew how to react to except for with this sort of fear and and they couldn't have been more prepared right they could not have been right. more prepared and the fact that they were as prepared as they were from a medical perspective it, it did it, it gave a 24 year old 
a chance to to continue his life, hopefully. And the reaction and the reports overnight are encouraging. Yeah. You, you don't being in critical condition. It's still not out of the woods from from uh, of course yeah. from that from those words. But you do feel like wow, they um, they have to feel positive and they have to feel a sense of hope this morning uh with demar hamlin being in the hospital in cincinnati and and i know this is a like a silly side story that you shouldn't get caught up in but i gotta tell you um you know he has a toy drive and it was a fundraiser that um had an initial goal of two thousand five hundred dollars and he did not make that goal and overnight there's 3.1 million dollars that's amazing it just it, it makes you you know people watch this they want to reach out they want to do something they find something that they want to contribute to so I, I just I, I gotta tell you it it kind of restores your faith in humanity well, at some level it's a beautiful it, it, thing people do the power of social media it yeah. can be one of the most negative places to right. go and certainly there was an element of that last night but it can also be a very powerful in a very positive way. And raising $3 million just because people wanted to reach out and feel a part of this and try to support this young man, it is it is the best of people as well. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and anyway, we'll be discussing it. We've got uh, a lot of stories that we'll touch upon, but obviously this is uh, what everyone is thinking about, and this is uh, the world of sports is surrounded uh, surrounding this story and trying. We're all sending out goodwill. And hopefully um, this turns out to be a, a really positive story uh, instead of the, the frightening one that we obviously saw last night. Um, but we will keep you updated as we hear anything, and we'll be reaching out to people all morning. It's Mully and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Pick 6 with Mully and Haw, where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767, or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Haw. Pick 6 with Mully and Haw starts now. 
what was your reaction to seeing Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin, collapse on the field Monday night and receive CPR before being rushed to a local Cincinnati hospital in critical condition? Did the decision to suspend the game occur in a timely enough fashion? Yeah, you know, I don't care about the timely fashion thing. I think they made the right decision, even if it took them a little while. I, I don't have a problem. I think it was a, you know, my reaction was one of, you know, shock, dismay, one of, you know, absolute uh, concern. I, I, I think, um, you know, we all have followed sports and played sports our whole lives and been around it. And, you know, it, it, listen, we've seen people get injured. We see to, that. The, the idea that um, that you can have a death in, in sports is, is a horrible idea. Um, I guess commotio cordis is the sudden arrhythmic death caused by low, mild chest wall impact. It's mostly in athletes between the ages of 8 and 18 who are partaking in sports with projectiles such as baseballs, hockey pucks, or lacrosse balls. Yeah, I've heard of that with baseballs hitting somebody square in the chest. The right spot, it yeah. interrupts the, the rhythm of the Absolutely. heart. Absolutely. I've heard of examples like that, tragically. Yeah. Absolutely horrible. And I think that, um, you know, it, it is, um, I think your response is the same response that everyone has. You go from really having fun watching entertainment to kind of this, like, weird sort of... Um, you know, you, you can't help but worry about things and people you love. And, you know, you, you want to send out goodwill, but you also just feel this level of concern, you know, worry about my family. It's like a weird reaction, but I think everyone has the same type of reaction. Yeah, as far as the timely enough fashion goes, I, I agree, Molly. It doesn't matter because at the end they got it right. Nobody else was, I guess, put in harm's way, if you will, um, really scary situation and very confusing situation. I told you everybody consumes sports in a different manner. So yep. I was watching the Rose Bowl. The game kind of got out of hand a little bit. Penn State ended up winning by a sizable margin enough. I moved over to the Bulls game that I was following on Twitter. Bulls were blowing a 21-point a lead. Oh. It, it, it's about nine minutes to go in the game, and I'm on that game. That game goes to a timeout. I click over to the Monday Night Football game that was delayed. The start of the game was delayed because of the Rose Bowl. And they're in studio with Susie Colber, Booger McFarland, and Adam Schefter. And the audio is weird. Like, it's dark. I can't hear it. I'm jacking up the volume on the, the cable box, the TV. And I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I go to Twitter, and CPR is trending. And I'm like, what? And now, and now my phone starts blowing up. Like, what's going right. on? What do you know? Right. What do you like? I know anything. And I, nothing yet. I'm with you. I'm watching the same thing. It's just, it was just wild. Yeah, people can be as mad as they want at the NFL. I'm not going to deprive anybody of the right to a rant or an outrage, but I do think it misses the point. I'm not sure how important it is. In the end, the right decision came better late than never, and it was the right call because it was the only call they could make. What we were watching, we had never seen before. This was an extraordinary moment on live TV unfolding in front of us. And all of a sudden, we go from worrying about the fascination of a big game to the fear for the life of a young man. And wins and losses some suddenly were less important than, than life and death. And that's, that's quite a transition to make. It's an abrupt move emotionally yes. watching 
something on Monday Night Football that you never expect to see. I wasn't watching the game. I was watching the Bulls. I got a couple texts and they said, what do you think of this Bill situation? And I'm like, okay, I need to see what this Bill situation is all about. They did handle it in a responsible way. I did find it fascinating to follow the coverage of that because it was something that we had never seen before and there was so much attention paid to that. In the end, they did the right thing by not playing. To whatever degree the coaches were involved, good for them. That's real leadership. In a time of crisis, you learn a lot about people. Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, the players, you could read it on their faces. You could see what was going on. Now the focus shifts to a young man's recovery, a young man living and surviving through this. Forget about the football. We'll talk about the implications later. But right now, all your thoughts, all your prayers are directed toward, you know, Demar Hamlin, who's who's sitting in there in critical condition in Cincinnati. Yeah, I think it's a good question. In a season full of lows, where's the Bulls giving up 71 points to Devon Mitchell and blowing that double-digit lead to the Cavs' rank? How did it happen? All right, so this is the sports thought of the morning, I, I suppose. That was, first of all, unbelievable that they blew a 21-point lead. No excuse for that. That is so Bulls, so on brand, so inexcusable this year in a season full of more downs than ups. The inconsistency returned and reared its ugly head. That said, that should never have gone into overtime. That should never be a history that was made. Donovan Mitchell should not have had 71 points. He stepped across the line. Every replay. And you know what? They're going to give him the report. Billy Donovan's right. This silly last two-minute report is going to apologize and show that it was a bad call. You know, transparency without accountability is just a lot of ridiculous regret. What do you get from that? Why does the last two-minute report yeah. matter? So, yeah, th- that should never have happened. Good good for Donovan Mitchell. He's a very talented player, as we saw. 71 points is incredible, but that game was won by the Bulls in regulation because he stepped over the line. Patrick Williams sh- still should have boxed him out, but never should have been in that situation. Exactly. Just, just because there was a lane violation, okay, and then video supports that it, it, Patrick Williams was right there. It, you know, this, this goes back to my girls' basketball coaching days when the ball goes up in the air you find an opponent and you put your shorts on her shorts okay that when the ball goes up on the air you go to block out i mean patrick williams he looked like a bears offensive tackle okay (laughs) okay he looked like a revolving door just somebody going right past him all he's got to do is block donovan mitchell and the game is over now it's still a huge night and it's but the bulls had won but I got to be honest, I didn't see it because I was watching what was going on in Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah um, you know, once that was going on, obviously everyone was just watching that. But um, Donovan Mitchell, so I went to the Bulls game on Saturday and saw the Bulls play against the Cavs, and I was very interested in how they were going to respond and what they were going to do, and they, they, they were winning that game, and that game looked like it was, you know, Pretty much put away. Donovan Mitchell scored five points in the first quarter. He had 21, excuse me, at 16 points um, at halftime. Okay? How do you how do you get 71 points? Uh, 24 points in the third quarter, 18 in the fourth quarter. That is 42 points. He had 58, including the, the shot that shouldn't have counted at the end of the game when he, when he did have a lane violation, although... That doesn't excuse anything they did, and he scored 13 points in overtime. So, I, I 
I got to tell you, as much as the world is going to, you know, talk about what a great NBA performance in the first guy to score 71 points and whatever it is, 15 years and the first time it's ever been done by the Cavs, Donovan Mitchell's a great player. But come on, man. The Bulls have struggled defensively all year long, all year long. And this just emphasizes how bad they are at defense. And and I know we're going to get into how well they're paid and compensated, but d- d- keep in mind just how awful the defense is when a guy scores 71 on you. I don't know if I answered your question there, but... Uh... How wide open did Matt Eberflus leave the door about Justin Fields to sit out on Sunday's finale against the Vikings? Like I said, we're, we're working on that, on everybody, you know, including Justin, and we're going to visit with Ryan, the rest of the coaching staff, and the health of the football team, the entire health of the team. To me, is, is you know, where we were two weeks ago is different than where we are now. You know, so I think it's important that we evaluate that. What do you think changed from Sunday to Monday that's made his tone so noticeably different? Um... I think maybe the GM got to him. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, at some point, you've got to understand there's nothing left to play for. And, hey, I almost have the first pick in the draft. Back off. Um, if, if Justin Fields doesn't play, that means the Bears can't win. I don't think there's any scenario, regardless of who is sent on the field from the Vikings, that, uh, that you feel good about the Bears without Fields at quarterback, without their only – a real kind of electric player on the field. They're the only guy you would have to contemplate game planning for. There's nobody else that's really going to do much damage. And and Nathan Peterman is just filling a spot. And, and it's just a statistic. It's not a real type of performance. Is he on the team next year? You know, you kind of hope not, frankly. Um, you know, it's, it's just a really strange situation. But I think there are plenty of reasons to not play him. And I think we have shifted from uh, caring only about trying to win to being concerned about preserving draft status. That's that's what happens at the end of a year, and it's a pathetic thing, but that's the reality of it. Well, I find the door to be, right at this moment, super wide open. Yeah. Like, wide, wide open. But then he, he, was, he got a follow-up, played it in the pregame show. You said on Sunday that if he's healthy, he plays. Is that still the case? Yes. So what imaginary injury? Well, I mean, he he was checked up? for concussion, Dustin. It, he was during the game. His hip was bothering him, and it, he's got a separated he, shoulder. He always looks like he's hurt. Oh, right. I'm just saying, but but there was no reports that anything other than all those things Mully just mentioned were on the list of reasons to not play. I'm just saying. Yeah. I just you know, on Wednesday we usually hear QB one. Talk to the media. Who, who was it? Was it Jaquan Brisker or was it uh, Josh Gordon? One of those it guys. Was, it was Brisker. It was Kyler Gordon. One of those guys, it, it was like he got through the game and then it was announced on Tuesday that he had a concussion. Yeah. What's going to happen is that they're going to have the conversation and depending on how strongly Ryan Poles feels about uh, preserving this loss and their number two overall selection and, and spot in the draft order, will determine whether or not he plays or not. Matt Eberflus is trying to walk a very fine line. I do think there's value in Justin Fields playing. I'm going to maintain that. I'm not going to come off that. You get better at football by playing football, and I do think that Justin Fields has an opportunity to finish this this season on a strong note. We may feel differently about 
some things if Justin Fields were to say throw for 275 yards, two touchdowns, and Chase Claypool has seven catches for 100 yards in the finale, then it will mean something. I think you could go into with momentum. Is that worth risking the your draft position? That's debatable, okay? I will open the door to that. And I think that what they did yesterday was open the door a lot wider to the possibility that Justin Fields is not going to play because of the ramifications. And, and it wouldn't be a stretch for them to find some sort of physical ailment for a guy who has spent the season looking like he's in distress. It wouldn't be hard to find something to say, okay, he's not playing because it's not in his best interest. Well, that's a great question. Did you feel any better about the situation after hearing Matt Eberflus explain how Dante Pettis cleared concussion protocol, yet still ended up at a local hospital, took a later flight home back here to Chicago? Is this a Bears issue or an NFL matter? Maybe it's just me. I I think that when we talked about this on the Take the North podcast as well, clearing concussion protocol is not the same as being cleared to play. It is a bit confusing. There are distinctions to be drawn, but I, I, it's, it's, it's murky. Let's just say that it's murky. I do think it's a league-wide issue. There always needs to be a, an attempt to have more clarity when it comes to concussions. Um, it is, up until last night, the, the, the situation that has dominated a lot of our conversations this year because of the Tua situation. So I don't know if I feel any better about it. I guess I felt better about the fact that you know Dante Pettis seems to be okay or, and better recovering, and he flew back and all those things were true, but I still don't know if I feel like it's a acceptable explanation because of that distinction. Somebody who was cleared uh, concussion protocol it was not cleared to play. What is the difference there, and and where? How could we make that a little bit more easy to understand? Well, it's an NFL issue, and so since it's an NFL issue, it's also a Bears issue. Concussions in the NFL are an issue. It's something that they they are working to try to make it better and figure it out. Um, But the good news in this situation is that Dante Pettis was able to leave the hospital and come back to Chicago. That's the, that's the good news. Yeah. um, You know, look, I, um, I got to be careful how I talk about this, especially, you know, with everything that's going on in the world. But the fact of the matter is that this story should be probably a more important story. And it really is an NFL story it's not a bear story it's just what what are you doing here how is that humanly possible i don't care if it's clearing him to play versus saying he didn't have a concussion the guy had blurred vision and ended up at the hospital that's frightening um but the reality is that dante pettis is on a one-year contract he is unlikely to be back here i mean i'm not picking on him he's on a one-year deal you're probably looking to improve that position or you're probably looking to get valus jones an occupation of some sort. And by the way, I would let that guy return every kick uh, in this game. I would just make him pick the ball up and run it back and see if I'd he I'd make can him cover him. every kick, too. Yeah, I would. Well, he's already doing all, all that stuff. But my point is simply, if this was a bigger-name player with a longer future with the Bears, I think there'd be a lot of noise about it. Thank I think you. there'd be a yes. lot of talk about it. But it kind of, it's an NFL issue, but it's gone under the radar because it's Dante Pettis, and I'm not, I'm not picking on him, and I'm not saying that's correct. I'm saying that's wrong. Imagine if this were Justin Fields. Oh my God, there would be. The, I mean, this would be a league-wide story. That's a tough question. And maybe it is. Justin Fields. 
looking back to a year ago, how detailed do you think Ryan Poles was when interviewing for the Bears GM job about the plans to tear it down the roster, the process, getting rid of guys like Khalil Mack, Roquan Smith, Robert Quinn, Akeem Hicks, Allen Robinson, James Daniels, Pro Bowl caliber talent. Do you think George McCaskey was aware of how complete this purge would be? I, I love this question, and I think that the reality is that I don't think he gets the job um, unless he was forthright about what his plan was. And I think he had to lay out that plan. And he told George, in my opinion, that uh, that he had to clean up the salary cap that was, that was project number one and that he was going to do everything he could. I, in fact, I would imagine that wh- – where was he also a candidate? In uh, Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. He may not have been allowed to do it in Minnesota. The Bears may have been the more attractive job because – they he he said to them, "Listen, this is a mess. We got to clean this up. Your salary cap is in is in tatters." And then he got permission to do it, and that made the job more attractive to him. I don't think he takes this job if he was told, "Well, don't oh, you can't get rid of him, and you can't get rid of him." I think he he wanted the power, and he he probably had to be forthright about, "I'm going to do some things that are going to be very painful here, and uh, and you're not going to like it because it p- probably won't reflect well in the first year, but it's more than a one year plan." So I, I hope that, that, that George was wide-eyed going in and understood that and that, uh, and that the, the, the general manager was completely frank and forthright with his boss. I don't think he's surprising him with anything. Um, I think George had to be on board. Yeah, I, I'm not going to disagree with you. Um, I think everybody knew that things needed to be torn down, but it's like how they tore it down might be different than, right? I mean, you know, do you think... Here's my question. When they traded Roquan Smith, yeah, do you think he was in touch with Ted and George on that? I think yes. that was well after the fact, and yes. they'd already determined they weren't going to be able to sign him, and they had to get something for him I, and, that, and from their viewpoint. But the more interesting thing to me, Dustin, is when George came out and talked about how, wow, you know, it's really amazing to watch Ryan. He really sticks to his guns about what a player is worth. That's when they were building the team that you see on the field that has lost nine straight games, a team record, and record going right. for going for 10. He wasn't going to give anybody any money, and there, therefore you weren't going to get anybody. I, I just don't believe that he anticipated back in January when he took the job that he would be trading one of his prized assets in Roquan Smith. I think that could not have been part of the discussion early on. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I think that's where you wonder about where the plan may have gone in a direction they didn't anticipate. That, to me, was still an emotional response. It may be personal feelings interfering with your professional obligation to keep your your, your best talent in the building as much as you can, reasonably, as much as you can. That's why you're there, to negotiate contracts to find a middle ground so that you're not saying goodbye to 25 year old pro bowl talent in a play for regardless of how premium the position is you want to keep those guys in your organization so going back to the interview process yes i do think he probably was was very forthright about his intentions to tear it down i don't know if anybody in that room could have anticipated what would come next it has been so thorough and it has been so bad I don't think they could have expected this. So I wonder if it's worse than they thought. And I do, I would be curious. And please, the only advice I would have is free for George, for Ted, for Ryan Poles. 
don't try to make this sound like this has all been such a great test of your character and how they benefited from enduring this adversity. Yeah. This has been the longest of seasons, right. and I hope that the messaging postseason doesn't reflect some like, oh, wasn't this great that we endured this? And no one, no one in the league wants to be the Chicago Bears. Maybe when draft time comes, but uh, no. nobody is is looking at your, you know, did you get the quarterback right? Maybe. Did you win enough games? No. Does the rest of the league want to be you? Uh-uh. There's more pity than envy. Yeah, I'm not talking necessarily about a pick six or something like that. This comment from Ryan Poles Sunday on WBBM's pregame show created quite a stir on social media. He's shown ability to make a ton of plays with his legs. No one questions his, his playmaking ability. Uh, but really growing as a passer is going to be the next step. How do you interpret what Poles is saying there? And is it a lack of confidence or belief in Justin Fields? People will want to leap to that. I don't see it as that. I think this is objective. This is objective analysis of where your quarterback is and what he has or hasn't accomplished as a passer. We all know what he can do as a runner. We all know that that's, that's special. That's what it looks like. He is, he is he's on the verge of making history Sunday if he does play. I wonder what role that will play. But Ryan Pohl is good for him. This is public acknowledgement of what a lot of us have been saying all along. There's room to grow. And you can say uh, that about Justin Fields without being critical, without being a hater, without being anything but uh, a football analyst, seeing what his boss sees is that Justin Fields has room to grow as a passer. He's being honest. I appreciate it. I, I, I appreciate, Ryan, that, that that's an honest that's an honest evaluation of his QB1 right now. We all know what Justin Fields can do with his legs, and he showed that in the first quarter. And the rest of the game, we don't know what he can do because that offensive line is bad and the wide receiver group's not great. But is can Justin do one, two, three throw? TBD. Yeah, I, you know, I think you're right. I think you're both right. I think it's a fair assessment. But there's also sort of this chicken and egg thing going on here. If you had a better team around him, how much better would he be? If you had protection and weaponry and all the wonderful things you see in the NFL, how much better would your quarterback be? So I think that, unfortunately, he has put Justin Fields in a position with the team around him where it's hard to determine whether or not he can throw. And so while I agree with his assessment of what he is seeing, that that he is extraordinary as a runner, um, I don't know that that his – Failure as a passer isn't an institutional problem. It wasn't created for him. And I don't mean that as a uh, as an insult as much as just an observation. And um, I'd be very curious if he really questions whether the man can throw the football. Doesn't that mean he's got to look at quarterbacks in this draft? I mean, isn't that what he's telling you? Well, but, taken to the extreme, I think going extreme. down that road, he... If, he, if we're talking about doors being opened, I suppose he did open the door to that possibility. Again, you know, it's all about having uh, options. 312-644-6767. We're going to get to your calls, but we're going to have the extra point next. It's Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 the score. Set up this extra point. It's time for the extra point with Molly and Haw on 670 the score. How should the NFL handle the rest of the Monday night game between the Bills and the Bengals? I don't think you can play it. I I don't think that you can uh, factor that into the equation. You have to just have two teams that play 
16 games this year and make the most of that and, and deal with an unprecedented situation, an unexpected set of circumstances, it, it, extraordinary night, and it takes uh, every, everyone to have a little bit of understanding here. But whatever the implications are, and I know that they're huge here, and there's a lot of discussion that will have to uh, take place because if the Bills are at 12 and three and the Chiefs are at 13 and three, there's an opportunity. There's a debate over, uh, you know, if the Chiefs can win 14 games and the Bills can win 13 at the most, then does that give them the home field advantage? Yeah, because they have one more victory but one more game. Very complicated, but I just don't see any path that includes or any possibility really that makes a lot of sense where you're going to put these two teams on the field this week, even if it's Wednesday, even if it's tomorrow, then you're talking about a reduced recovery time for week 18. I don't know what makes sense, but I know that doesn't to me. So I'm just not sure how important this will be in the in the final analysis, but I, I, I just can't, I can't rationalize or look at any possibility that includes them playing each other this calendar week. And if that's the case, then you need to move on. The, the store, the, it's got to be addressed. I, I know the timing. It's, it's 633 in the morning, and it might not be the right time. But the number one seed, home field advantage for the AFC playoffs, is still to be determined heading into that game. The Bills 12-3 and three, clinch a win at the Bengals and a win versus the Patriots. Chiefs. Win at the Raiders, the Bills lost, Bengals or versus Patriots. Bengals, win versus the Bills. Okay. So there's a chance. There, there, there's some you could you could you play this game on Wednesday and then could the Bills, Chiefs, and Bengals game scheduled for Sunday be played on Monday night? Because that there's only one bye. This is a terrible situation. And now it's gotten terrible to the next degree because this is something that's very important to all three of these teams and to the credibility of the NFL is who's going to be one of those three teams is supposed to get a week off. And if you don't play this game, do you just give it to the Chiefs? I mean, that doesn't seem fair at all. This is a this is a really difficult decision for the NFL. And I think that the problem they have is, as you say, there is only one number one seed. There is only one team that gets a bye, and there's only one team that has that home field throughout the playoffs. So it is a very, it is a really uh, difficult decision to make. So all that the Bills have to do to be that number one seed is to be able to beat the Bengals and then beat the Patriots. Therefore, Excuse me. Therefore, you're you're looking at the possibility of robbing the. I mean, the, the, with only one team on the bye, with only one team getting home field throughout the playoffs. Imagine if it's Buffalo. Imagine going into that place. If Buffalo ends up going into Kansas City and losing there, that then how do you how do you justify your entire season? It, it's just like a. This is like you need the wisdom of Solomon to be able to uh, to. Uh, uh, figure out how to do this but i think the only thing you can do and this is a really tough one if you're if you're talking about so so for instance the chiefs are um are are playing at the raiders the raiders are done 
The Raiders are going home. They've got all their vacation plans. Now you got to play that one on Monday right. night too. I, I, are you going to start everything on Monday night? See, and how are you going to how are you going to turn around from Wednesday to listen? All this stuff is secondary because all we care about is the player and and the and the safety and and how people are are looking at the game. Um, but I I think that it's just a really difficult situation because. It's going to impact the Super Bowl. I know. It's going to impact I, who wins the championship. I, I'm not denying that. I, I think, though, when we talk about the integrity of the league, it has to go sometimes beyond the wins and losses. I mean, the integrity of the league also means preserving the physical and mental health of these players. And to I, ask them to play Wednesday I, and then Monday after what they just endured I, last night? I think it's a big ask, <sighs> and I don't know who wins the game. And I don't, But the reality is – that the Bills are twelve and three and would be thirteen and three, tied with the Chiefs if they win, and they they hold the tiebreaker. And the Bengals are eleven and four, and if the if they if everything went correctly, they would have a chance to be the number. Both teams have an have a possibility to be the number one seed, right? Or no, they no the Bills or the Bengals don't. Uh, I listen. This is really difficult. This is a very hard one. Um, really difficult to figure out. Um, I don't know how you – I don't know – I mean, I think that it's it's very easy for us to compartmentalize it right now today. But this is something that they've got to be talking about in the league office and trying to figure out. There's no doubt about it. And if they're not, they're not doing their jobs because yeah. they do. It's, it, it seems somewhat insensitive when you have a young man fighting for his life in a hospital room in Cincinnati. At the same time, you know that they are coming up with contingency plans because there are players – and there are coaches and there are executives who want to know what they're facing. Because if they do decide to play, let's say, tomorrow, yeah, they've got to go back to Cincinnati. Oh, I know. I know. They left. They How? went home. I, David, I mean, what's the weather in Buffalo? Who knows? You know, every time you turn around, there's like another 10-foot snowstorm. Yeah. This whole thing is, is, a, is a mess. It's just but, – but, again, we care about the player and the player only. I'm just saying – these are wide-reaching implications. I'll be happy to have Dave Wanstead in here at uh, uh, at seven forty-five and help explain it to us. It's Mully and Haw three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven is the telephone number. Mully and Haw on the score. They've been given five minutes to quote unquote get ready to go back to playing. That's the word we get from the league and the word we get from down on the field. But nobody's moving. I mean, nobody's out there really warming up. Everybody's just stagnant and it looks like Sean McDermott after talking to Zach Taylor is going to pull his team the off game the has field. been temporarily suspended Mully and Haw Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score uh, rough stuff last night to uh, to watch that Monday night football game and to um, to see uh, DeMar Hamlin the safety for the the Buffalo Bills collapse after a play and um, and CPR is performed on him and he is rushed to the hospital and the teams are just in I mean there were players crying on the field seeing the seriousness of that um, of that uh, heart attack that he suffered oh and, and, and I think that and every player watching oh yeah at home oh yeah nationally televised game yes. the, uh, violent sport and you saw the outpouring on social media. And what every NFL team faces this morning is hopefully, ideally, dealing having mental health professionals address this with their own players because the, the 
you know, the thought of going back to work under these circumstances with that on your mind not only affects the two teams that were involved last night, but every team in the league and every player. Right. And, and so, um, you know, I think that anybody who is an NFL fan, anybody that has an interest in the league is watching that game last night because it is Buffalo, it is Cincinnati, it is two teams that conceivably could be representing the AFC in the Super Bowl, and it has far-reaching implications because if um, if Buffalo wins, then it's between Buffalo and Kansas City for that number one seed, and you think about the, the fact that those two teams played, uh, you know, whoever had ball last wins, right? That was what it looked like a, a year ago, um, and the same type of thing would hold up, and, and I think that's why home field is so important, and the fact that only one team has a bye is fascinating. So, you know, again, we are most concerned with the player, but now that the issue has come up about what to do with the game, you know, you can't squeeze a game in. You couldn't play it today. They've gone back to Buffalo. You, I don't know how you play a game on Wednesday and then have the it, team come back. It's and not play feasible. It. It's not feasible. It's not realistic. So, so we talked about the idea that you play out the season now, and at the end of it, you flip a coin between what, what, whether it's Kansas City and. Uh, and uh, and Buffalo or whatever, and you determine it that way. No one would be happy about that. The other alternative, because there is a, a week break before the Super Bowl, you conceivably, right now, the Super Bowl is scheduled for the 12th of February. You could keep that intact. You could move the playoffs back. Now, again, this is easy for me to sit here and say it, but January 29th is supposed to be when the uh, – when the um, championship games are played. So you could move those back a week, move the entire playoffs back. Now, again, I don't know where everybody plays, what the buildings have scheduled. Are there concerts? Are there, you know, these schedules are set well in advance. So, you know, is is someone got a a trailer pole going on in their building that that would be interrupted? Well, yeah. It's just, it's like the, 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 the mechanics of it seem crazy. Yeah, I think it's way too complicated. And I, and I look at this, and, and the perspective was what came through last night. The, the way that everyone kept reminding everyone else when they were talking about this. By the way, we're talking about it this morning. Right. The outcome doesn't matter. The game doesn't matter. Yes. Because all that matters, or at least what matters most, is the health of DeMar Hamlin. And that is true. So I don't know how you go from – reinforcing this idea of having perspective when you're looking at a game, when you're looking at an outcome, when you're looking at a season, frankly, and then you're going to use all of these machinations and all this maneuvering to make sure that you get one more game played to determine home field advantage. I do think you're just going to have to be one of those seasons where this is an extraordinary situation. It's unprecedented in nature, and there's going to have to be uh, extraordinary times call for extraordinary measures. And this is ex- out of the ordinary to flip a coin to determine home field advantage. But if that's the way it is, that's the way it is. I, I totally agree with you, David, because I think the physical health of DeMar Hamlin is the number one story. Yes. But the emotional health of these players, the mental health of all the guys on the field that witnessed that, that what they went through, you can laugh that off if you want to. But I don't. You, you can't laugh that off. No, you can't. I don't know how not, they could not, have continued that game. First of all, yes. And I don't know how they come storming back and play. I I just think that things are in a different perspective now than they were 
before that game, and I don't know that I care to see a continuation. I agree with you because you can't be the league that embraces all of these mental health initiatives and encouraging players to get help and to talk about their feelings and to address these things head on. And then when you have an opportunity and an obligation to deal with the mental health of your players in your league, you just to just ignore it the way that I think this would. You can't ignore the, the physical nature of what happened is scary enough. It's a collision sport. We talk about it all the time. But the mental health of every player was compromised last night watching this unfold, thinking that could be them, thinking it could be their teammate, worrying about the guy they know. So it reduces them or reminds us that they're more than just players. They're young men. They're human beings. And that kind of empathy is necessary right now. 312-644-6767. John is in Lombard. Hi, John. Hey, good morning, guys. Yes, I agree. Last night was very special. Um, there's no way you can move on, play that, ga- play that game. But this morning, starting today, with the league, with the teams, is, is it any different than what happened if he was in a car accident last night? I mean, would they cancel games? Yeah, it's different because you know, it's, it was on the it's, field. It's, it's and very they were, different. Yeah, I think it. I I, think John, I appreciate where you're coming from, but don't don't you think, Molly? I mean, the, you can hypothetical this to to death if you want. I mean, you, there's all sorts of if but scenarios, but I think you have to look at what happened. And what happened was a player had to be resuscitated on the field of play during a game in real time on national television. This is what happened. This is what we're dealing with. It's not a car accident. It's not anything else that you could come up with as a possible circumstance. Let's try Don. He's in Ottawa. Hi, Don. Hey, guys. Um, real quick, I got one quick question for you before I lay out my premise. Uh, the Bills and the Chiefs, or Bills and the Bengals, still have one more game to play, right? Yes. Yes, they okay. do. Yep. Okay. Okay. That being the case, then my premise is valid, I think. What you do is. This is not that hard to figure out. You make the Chiefs' last game an asterisk game. You mark this game up last night as an asterisk, and you make the Chiefs' last game as an asterisk. So they both have 16 – all three teams have a 16-game season. Yeah, uh, okay. Okay, but but they play at the Raiders. So so that that is a game that they seemingly could win handily, and you're telling them – we're denying you the chance to win. They would probably that not like game. that idea in Kansas. City. Yeah, they probably wouldn't. Yeah. I, I'm just saying that I, I get it, what you're saying, but I don't think that would work out. But what, what is your plan? I think that was his oh, plan. I'm sorry, that was his plan. That was his plan to make the, their final game kind of a moot point, uh, an asterisk where it didn't count toward the standings and didn't count in the evaluation of home field advantage. I don't think that would go over no. in Kansas City. Where they've got to be very sensitive to the idea. This is a balancing act in terms of how it's discussed and and what you're pushing for. Because in Kansas City, all they want to do is to, you know, like every team, make yeah. the path as clear as possible to the Super Bowl. Let's squeeze in Jerry. He's on the road. Hey, Jerry. Yeah, morning, fellas. Uh, just thinking to myself there. I mean, if I come down to where Buffalo and Kansas City were playing, played on a neutral field, but then it still doesn't decide who the first round buy is. Yeah, you know, here's the problem with that is that then you're robbing your AFC championship game. Like, why you can't suddenly have those two teams play each other 
votes to determine who gets home field because you're then you're you're impacting uh, everything. You know what I mean? You're creating a game that impact. Uh, even no, no, on he's, a neutral he, what he's field. suggesting what? if they play each other in the AFC Championship game, it'd be at a neutral site. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, oh, that I, actually I'm makes sorry. some that, sense. That actually isn't a bad idea. If it ends up those two teams. That, I think you have to continue to make sure that. The, now, you, where's the neutral site? You couldn't plan. Got to be Detroit because that's Buffalo's <laughs> home fit. Oh, come on. But but are you you're going to plan two scenarios then? One, if they continue to win, and it, they would, but they would both have to continue to win to be on this collision course to play each other. So right. you have to contingency yeah. plan that if they do that, then you're going to play in Detroit or wherever the case may be. That's. Uh, it might have, I'm sure that that will come up if you're talking about con- con- contingency plans. It makes as, it makes as much sense that as makes, any. That makes as much sense as flipping a coin, frankly. Well, at least then the game is actually but, played. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. You know, so who gets home? Who gets the home? Who gets the buy? Who gets the buy? That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Who gets the buy? But I don't think in our we can't right now. It's got to be the Chiefs. Why? Because if, they have because they have the because they, they have because, the win because Buffalo was trailing seven to three in the first quarter of a game. I think that's another way to rationalize it. I, yes. mean, I, I think that's, it's a bad but right now. The Chiefs have the one, but again, you no, guys no, don't want but, to play the but, game. But listen to me, Buffalo. If they had won out, would have gotten the the number one seed. Do you understand? Right, but they then, had but the tiebreaker so, against Kansas City. Then they so need now, to play. Then they need to play this game. Okay. Get rid of the Get rid of the week off in between the AFC Championship, NFC Championships, and the big game. No, no, uh, no, 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 no rest between the Super Bowl. Push I, I don't it all think back you do a that. week. I, I don't yeah, think I you don't do think that. You sure, you can. No. Why? Uh, we'll bring in Brad Biggs next. We'll have Biggs time, and uh, we'll talk about it. I guess Justin's crazy plan. It's Mully <laughs> and Hall on the score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.